Would you stand with me this morning as I read from God's Word to open our service? And I'm going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And the Bible says to be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Will you pray with me as we begin today's service? Father, we thank you so much for your word and how your truth sanctifies us and your spirit grows us in our knowledge and understanding of who you are and deepens our relationship and our walk with Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come and you would meet and minister to our hearts today. Speak into our lives and help us to hear and respond. And as we lift up the name of Christ, Lord, I pray that you would move amongst this place, speaking into lives, speaking into situations and circumstances and situations that are here today. And Lord, we thank you now as we bless each other with fellowship. I pray, Father, that we would lift up the name of Christ with great honor. And we thank you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, thank you so much for Pastor Niles. And I just pray, Father, as uh, he brings the word this morning, Lord, he would have such a great anointing from you. The things you've placed on his heart to share with us, I pray, Father, would flow freely. And we just ask for good soil this morning for all of our hearts, ready to receive what it is you've planted in him to give to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. Really invite you to pray with us this week. This is a week that is just, uh, it's, right now it seems a little overwhelming. Uh, if you go by my office, you'll see it is, uh, looks like a poorly managed warehouse uh, of a lot of different things, so. Appreciate your thoughts and prayers this week. It's good to see you this morning. Very good to see you. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter 5? Mark chapter 5, and I'll begin reading in verse 21 eventually. The New Testament book of Mark chapter 5. This is a very powerful portion of scripture right here. Actually, it begins uh, in the latter part of Mark chapter 4. And what we see in the last part of Mark chapter 4 is a powerful work of Jesus and his control over nature. A storm had come up. The disciples were in a small boat, and there was great fear in their lives. And Jesus spoke. Jesus literally spoke to that storm, and the seas became calm like glass. That's power. And then when we begin in Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, and, and through the first uh, about uh, 15 or 20 verses, 
we see the disciples and Jesus coming to a small village called Gennesaret. And they'd come into this area. It's also called the area of the Gadarenes in your Bible. And immediately when they got out of the boat, they were encountered by a man who was fully demon-possessed. A man that literally was under the control of demonic power. The local townspeople had tried to tried to control him by wrapping him in chains and shackles and everything like that. But because of this controlling power in his life, these shackles and these chains were, were broken. And he roamed in that area freely, howling and screaming. It was a terrible thing. And Jesus spoke to this man. This man approached Jesus there's some interesting dynamics there. We're not going to get into them this morning. But this man, this man that was consumed by demon power, approached Jesus. <clears throat> and Jesus spoke and said, Come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And these spirits spoke back to Jesus. And Jesus said, what is your name? And they said, we are legion. And there were thousands of demons that was controlling this individual. And Jesus spoke. And spoke that they come out and they entered into a herd of swine. And the swine then ran off a cliff into the sea and died. Another work of power. And then we come to my text here this morning in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse number 21. And I believe this is one of the most powerful chapters in the New Testament because there is a clear demonstration of the power of Christ at work. In Mark chapter 21, I'm going to read just a little ways. It says, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. And so Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And I think those are, those are significant words because they were spoken in verse 21, and again here in verse 24. Remember now, this, this ruler of the synagogue had rushed up to Jesus, declaring that his little girl was sick and at the point of death. But the, again, it was mentioned twice, a great throng was around Jesus, and they were pressing in on Jesus. They wanted something from Jesus. Jesus was literally at the height of his popularity at this stage of his life and ministry. But he was also becoming at the height of the contempt against Jesus by religious people. They didn't like him. <clears throat> and the reason is obvious. He was attracting large crowds. He was a person of great influence. And their influence, they felt, was being threatened. It was a work of power. Listen to me, friends. This world is full of pain and heartache. Trouble. The weak on earth far outnumber the strong. And they are wanting something 
in their lives. These two miraculous things, and I'm going to talk about both of them here. I'm going to talk about the one that the Bible simply describes that she had some kind of a blood disease, and she had this disease for 12 years. This was a disease that seemingly could not be conquered by medications and by doctors or anything. And this disease apparently was also taking a tremendous toll upon her life because she had become weakened in many different areas of her life. And then the other is a little girl, 12 years old, who was near death. I want us to understand something this morning, and that's clearly that sin has brought great misery into the world, sin. It's sin that is the root cause of pain and suffering, and we see it all across our world. God did not create us to be filled with pain and suffering. It is sin. It is sin that we owe every ache, every pain, every sickness, every disease, no matter what it is. It is as a result of sin, and we owe it to our ancient parents, Adam and Eve. They brought it into the world. A great part of this message is about faith. And it is by faith that we live. It is by faith that we are saved. It is by faith that we stand. It is faith that we overcome. It's by faith that we have peace in our hearts. Despite what is going on in our culture, look at our culture. This thing's a mess and it's going to get worse. It is by faith that God gives me peace in my heart. Peace that is based on his word. Because his word declares there's a great future in front of us. It is by his word and by faith that every one of us that know Jesus Christ this morning in this room know that one day we're going to meet him in heaven. So Jesus is on his way to Jairus' home where his little girl is desperately sick. Jesus is coming to the house, but while he was going, there was another woman that approached him. They, she did not approach him face to face. She didn't ask to speak to Jesus or anything else or ask him, in some, uh, ask him for something. There is something about these two people, and I want to connect them. Both of these people were in crisis mode in their life. This woman who was much older, we don't know her age, but obviously she was older than 12, that's for sure. And she was, she was suffering with some type of a blood disease that was consuming her life, and there was no cure for what was wrong. And then we have a 12-year-old girl who lie dying. But there are similarities, and I want to point them out. The little girl had an appointment. The woman did not. She's sick and living without any hope of getting better, and a little girl, little 12-year-old dying. The little girl had an appointment, as I mentioned, but both of these people had this crisis in their life. Let's understand something about sickness this morning. I want to point this out. Sickness locks you away from normalcy. Sickness allows you not to hang out with the other women, or could be men in your life. Sickness disconnects you. Sickness isolates you in your life. 
And this is a dangerous time because the devil would like to shut you off, to shut you off, to, to shield you from the rest of the world. Because if the devil can isolate you, hear me, the devil can also, he can isolate you, but he can also bring in great waves of discouragement into your life. When you're isolated, <clears throat> all you have to think about is yourself and your problems, the issues that you're wrestling with in your life, all of these things, that's all you get to think about. And the enemy begins to press them in on your life constantly as a wave after wave after wave, and as a tsunami then of lies and many other things, and you become deeply discouraged and distressed. Your pain intensifies in all of these things, and the enemy can wreak havoc on your faith. Sickness will try to leave you vulnerable and try to get you to believe that you cannot get well. And that's the, these are the lies of the enemy. Now, let me tell you something. There's a definite no-no. According to Jewish laws of that day, Jesus could not touch this woman. He would then be considered ritually impure and would have to go through a cleansing process. The same would also be true if he ministered to this small girl who we are going to learn in a moment actually died. I believe there's some simple lessons here and let me share with you at least one of them. Religious rules are made to be broken especially when they get in the way of helping people. Jesus was going to break these religious rules, and so was this woman. These rules would bar her from getting healed and approaching Jesus. I love the faith of this woman. I love this woman's faith. It's powerful. It's tremendous. She demonstrated as, as clear as you possibly can. This woman decided that whatever I'm going to do, I'm all in. And if I have to crawl to see Jesus, I will crawl on my hands and knees. But I'm going to see Jesus. I don't want to shake his hand. I don't want an autograph. I just want to touch Jesus. And that was her determination. That was what was driving her in her spirit. And what was driving that is her faith. And her faith was on fire. Her faith had action connected to it. I said this morning over at LifeGate, faith is as simple as ABC. A is always action. you got to put action to this thing. You can't sit back there. We're going to pray for people at the end of this service. But you can't sit back there and say, well, if God wants to heal me, I guess he can heal me in the fifth row here in the center. Well, maybe he can. But I think it's high time you put a little action to this thing and say, well, what would people say? Well, who cares what people says? If you're serious about getting healed, if you're serious about letting God work in your life, if you're serious about turning some things around in your life, if you're serious about living beyond disappointment, then be like this woman. If I have to crawl to the front of this church, I'm going to crawl to the front of this church and I'm going to believe that God's people are going to surround me and pray that prayer of faith 
and something's going to happen. And it'll change my life. That's what's going to happen. I just want to touch him. Listen to me. This is a woman who represents all who do not give up on life. She represents every one of us. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whoever you are. You could be a teenager. This woman represents somebody who does not give up on life and doesn't face and faces hopeless and difficult situations. I had a guy tell me, <clears throat> I prayed for my daughter. My daughter didn't get well, and she died. And so therefore, I think this whole idea of healing by faith is crazy. And we're having quite a discussion about that. Quite a conversation. Because number one, where was your faith? I mean, we've got to be careful on these things. But we speak to these things. She did not give in to disease and become a hopeless, negative person. She got up off the couch. She pushed into the street. Jesus was coming. And note the powerful words in verse 29. Let me read them to you. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Let me tell you something. The illness had brought more than just a physical impairment, but it was that isolation and that declining health in this woman's life. Her physically health was restored. Her whole body was restored. God doesn't just touch us in one area of our life. He touches us as a whole person and makes everything whole, everything renewed, everything restored, everything in the right order. That's how God works. The amazing question follows. At least it was amazing to the disciples, and I guess it would be to us too. Jesus asked the question, who touched me? Now keep in mind, he was going down a street or something, and the, the Bible says on two occasions there were throngs around him, mobs of people around him. Obviously there was all kinds of people touching him. And then Jesus said, who touched me? Because Jesus realized, he realized that at that moment that that woman reached to his, that hem of his garment, Jesus realized that power went out of his life into her life. He realized that. He knew that. Everybody else around him wasn't looking for that sort of thing at all. We're just a part of the mob. We're just a part of the crowd that's walking down the street with Jesus. And all of these things. But she had purpose. There was faith connected with that touch of that garment. And there was action. There was believing. There was commitment. And like a dry sponge placed in the midst of a small pool of water, it soaked that water up into the sponge. And she was healed. God brought healing. If you follow Jesus for any length of time, his actions and sometimes even his inactions will baffle you. You might not be able to figure out why he's doing and what he's doing and, and how this happens to me and all of those other questions that seem like they have virtually no answers, and they don't. 
and all of these things, why he allows some things to happen on this day, but he doesn't on this day, all of this stuff, you don't have to figure him out. I want to make this simple to every one of us. You don't have to figure out God. You don't have to figure out Jesus or anything else. Just keep touching, keep believing, keep understanding that God is God, and he does it his way, not necessarily my way. But I'm also going to stand on this word that says when she reached out to him and touched him, healing came into her life. God worked. And in a moment, I'll tell you exactly how. I think there's a lot of people around Jesus, and many are touching him, but this woman touched him. It was her faith. It was really her faith that touched him. Just her faith. It was her faith, her attitude, her confidence in a good God who desires to work in people's lives. I want to talk about this little girl. It's different. You know, Jairus must have been pulling his hair out. He had come to Jesus and said, my little girl is at the point of death. Can you come and minister to her and bring healing into her body? That was the request. And so, and the Bible says, Jesus said, okay, let's go. And so, I don't know if they turned in the street or just whatever they did, but they were on their way to Jairus' house and here's this mob, here's this throng, here's all of this stuff going on around Jesus. And Jairus must be thinking, hurry up, hurry up. She's not doing well. She, she, she's really sick, hurry up. And then this woman comes along, and there's a great healing there. And Jesus pauses to ask her, you know, who touched me? And spoke about that. And then while they were talking and having this conversation, and probably the most terrible messenger in all of the world came up to Jairus and simply said, it's too late. She's gone. I wanted Jesus to heal her, but now she's gone. Now what? Jesus ignored the news. Telling Jairus to believe. Believe. Rather than to have fear. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. Fear will literally tear apart faith. It will shred faith. It's like putting faith into a shredder. And it's coming, going to come out into thousands of pieces. Fear will do that to faith. Fear tells us there's no remedy. Fear will leave you in despair. Keep in mind, <clears throat> right here in the passages that we have been reading this morning, beginning in the latter part of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5, we see Jesus' power over a storm Jesus' power over demons, Jesus' power over the a sickness, that a long-held sickness, and we're going to see Jesus' power over death itself. And this is not the last time we're going to deal with death in this 
in this book. And faith is a part of every one of them. Verse 37 and 38, if you've got your Bible still open to Mark 5. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came into the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult. And those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? This child is not dead, but sleeping. And then they ridiculed him. And then he put them outside. He took the father and the mother of the child and those that were with him, that would be Peter, James, and John, and, in, <clears throat> and entered where the child was laying. The atmosphere in this home was heart-rending. There's no question about that. Death was serious. A little 12-year-old girl has just passed away. A child is lost, and Mark calls our attention to something here, the commotion, the commotion and the crying and the wild, loud wailing. It's, it's a time of grief, it's obvious. It all seems so unfair. The bright future for this little girl is simply gone. It's gone. She never had a chance to enjoy life. Jesus came into this house. He saw what was happening and put everyone out. Listen to me something. I think there's a piece of a lesson here that's important for us. There are sometimes people that we have around us that are simply not good for us. Amen? There's some people that will suck the faith and the life and the hope right out of you. There's some people that I don't say, how are you doing today? Oops, I forgot. Actually, I am concerned, but I don't need the, the recital for the next 10 minutes of all of the stuff that's going wrong in your life. What I want to extend to you is hope. What I want to extend to you is faith. And what I want to extend to you is the fact that God understands these things and wants to do something about it. And so Jesus said, get these people out of here. Keep in mind, Jesus is considered a rabbi and would not touch a dead body. He's already broke the law of the woman that came up behind him. And now he's going to break the law again by touching a dead body. I know I've told you this, but there's new people here. I'll remind you. I'll be brief. Many years ago, in an Algona hospital, a little, little baby, couldn't have been more than three or four months old, was dying. And I got a call on a Saturday morning, and just a call of desperation, a call that was voice that came through tears. My baby niece is dying. Can you come and pray? And so I got, got around real quick and went to the hospital. <clears throat> and here's the baby in one of those little beds. It's got the, kind of like a cage almost. They, they had oxygen flowing on it and all kinds of things. And the room was filled with family. All of the family was weeping. All of the family, it, it was a sad They had made a call and a helicopter was on its way from Des Moines and was due there any moment. 
this was a Catholic family. And the reason I got involved because the aunt was a high school girl that rode my bus. Those are the days I drove a school bus. And I said, and I, I just really feel, I look back on this now and I feel very directed to the Lord at that time. And say, folks, I want you to be still. Please be still. I don't want you to cry. I want you to listen to what God is going to do. Well, fortunately, they all stopped. And I reached my hand under that little thing and I just laid my three fingers probably on the side of that baby and we prayed a just an incredibly simple prayer because I heard the helicopter and I knew we didn't have a lot of time that God would heal this baby in an act of his incredible power anyway in come the people to take the baby to the helicopter. The family rushed out to get in their cars later that afternoon, three or four hours later probably. I got a call from this aunt, this kid that was on my bus. And once again, she was crying and ecstatic and I said, oh my goodness. And she said, I can't believe it. But when we got to the emergency room, the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with this baby. You can take your baby home. And they took the baby home. I thank God for that. Because I want to tell you what, that moment touched that entire family. It opened a door of ministry to those parents, to the grandparents. The rest of her, she had other people. Those Algona families are all connected. And... Uh, and we had the opportunity to have a lot of ministry to those people. Listen to me. I think there's a big lesson here. Jesus regards people more than principles. Stay with me on this. There are people in churches that are so principled that have so many thou shalt nots and thou shalts but Jesus is going to do whatever it takes. Do you keep the law and lose the child? Or do you forget the law and rescue the child? That was not a hard question for Jesus to answer. If Jesus went by the book, listen to me, most of us would not be here today including me, if he went by the book. Jesus broke a law to get to you. He called you. He already knew everything about you. He knew your messed up, loused up life. He knew you thought you were keeping it all a secret. He knew the confusion and the chaos. And I'm telling you, he reached to you. You may have walked down an aisle. You may have raised a hand. But don't you ever forget, it was Jesus. 
by the power of his Holy Spirit that lifted that hand that helped you to walk where God was going to meet you and bring forgiveness into your life, redemption and restoration, and all of these other things. <clears throat> he is everything that you are not, and he invites you to reach to him. I believe Jesus gives us a small view of some things to come here. Just a small view of what he's going to do on the day of his second coming. Christ's followers are going to be called from their graves, from the hospitals, from the homes, from the workplaces, maybe on a Sunday morning from a church. He's calling you, and he's going to, when he calls you, he's going to give you a brand new body. One that isn't, one that's not going to be touched by cancers. It's not going to be hurt by heart diseases. It's not going to be touched by any kind of a malady that we know of on this planet. Because it is going to be an eternal body. One that is suited for heaven itself. This body won't work in heaven. So he's got to give me a new one. And that's what he's going to do. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. And the voice of God, the trumpet of God, the voice of an archangel, the dead will rise first. We who are alive and remain will be caught up, and at the moment we're caught up, we got that new body going. And we'll meet him in the air. What a day. Powerful day. Janet, could you return? That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, oh, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Jesus resurrected Resurrection robbed the grave of victory and robbed death of the sting. Because there's a tomorrow with a great hope and a great future, and it lies with him, and we're going to spend it with him forever and ever. The same Jesus who raised Jairus' little girl is still alive. He still heals people. He cleansed this woman. He cleansed a demon-possessed man. He's still the storm. And he'll gather his flock and not one person will be missing on that day. Today, I speak to every dead circumstance, every sickness, every problem. I speak to where hope has vanished, where problems overwhelm, and I declare to you, Jesus, the one who can change absolutely everything in your life. Would you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, and I thank you for his great, incredible power. Power over sin, power over death, power over sickness, power over despair, power over circumstance power over problems that we have no idea of a solution. Power to touch people's lives. Father, I believe today is a day like 2,000 years ago. 
when a desperate woman is willing to get up off of the couch and seek Jesus, if I have to crawl, I'm going to meet him. I believe today is the same as 2,000 years ago when a scene of death surrounded a little girl, but she was raised in the powerful name of Jesus. Father, I pray today for people that are sitting in this room today. There are people here, you've been playing a game with your soul. It's roulette, my friends. It's dangerous. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And it's time for you to meet Jesus Christ, who can forgive your sin, who can transform your life, and make you a brand new person. You can walk out of this church new, different, changed. While our heads are bowed in church, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, my life needs to change this morning. I need to confess my sin. I want Christ to be the Savior of my life, and I'm going to do it this morning because faith is alive, and I'm going to respond to Jesus. Lift your hand right now. Lift it right now. Put it up and then put it down. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Father, I pray that you'll help these, these people to simply pray this little prayer. It's more than a little prayer, but it's the start. Jesus, come into my life. Pray that. I confess my sin. I ask Christ to forgive me. I ask Christ to change my life. I believe on Jesus with all of my heart. I believe he died for me and he rose from the dead. Today he's my Lord and Savior. And I am going to live for him. I'm going to live for him. In Jesus' name. Amen.